it was very tricky to understand that, you know, look around you and you have all nice stuff and still be miserable. That's a really hard thing to admit to yourself. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. A few years ago, I was an in-person mastermind in the Philippines. It was sort of a regular affair. And the people that showed up were pretty serious business people. So you'd get there, you'd make a sales pitch, or you'd present your business idea, and other entrepreneurs, your peers, would basically lay into you for a half an hour. It was pretty intense. In that group, there was one entrepreneur that was a little bit different than the rest of us, I think it's fair to say. For most of us, the default mindset is hustle, hustle, hustle. We're willing to do anything to grow our business. But my guest today was almost the exact opposite. Most things he wasn't willing to do to grow his business. And that's because he had a very strong list of rules. Like, here are the things that I'm willing to do and not willing to do for my business because lifestyle's very important to me. And for all the incredible business successes and big wins that came out of that mastermind, when I look back on it, probably the thing that sticks with me the most is the one person who under-optimized, who under-monetized, and who wasn't willing to take most advice. In the two and a half years since Mark Brenwall has become an entrepreneur, he's built a business called Wad Nation that currently nets him $20,000 a month in profit. And I think he lives a pretty good lifestyle while he's doing it. So I invited Mark on the show to share his inspiring story, very inspiring to me, and his unique approach to business. You know, it's funny when you're in a mastermind group, you really hear more about what's going on in other people's mind than, it, than in your own, right? That's the whole point of a mastermind. And so if they have a successful podcast, you hear them, well, you need to have a podcast, right? And so it's just like, I like to check in with myself and say, I really like to think like, how much is my time worth? How much is my life worth, right? Now, the cool thing about owning and running your own business is that it becomes your life. And, and that's a cool thing. And if you can still have fun experiences around it and you don't just get tied up in it. So I try to think of everything like, what is this going to add to my life? Right. How much more fun is my life going to be if I do this thing? I jotted down a little notes of some things that I remember you saying. So correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, but you said that you never wanted to talk to a customer, that you never wanted to deal with like somebody complaining about something to you. You said you wanted to have physical activity and fun every day. So that I sort of interpreted that like you kind of wanted to work in the mornings and then after lunch, you'd be done. Never wanted to have a boss ever again. Half the year you wanted to live in your hometown and half the year you wanted to live somewhere beautiful and tropical. I remember listening to you like so confidently lay this out and I was just like, I can't argue with any of that. (laughs) That Sounds really (laughs) great. Yeah. And you managed to pull it off. Have you stuck with your guns? Because I remember watching you get that feedback, people pushing you to hustle harder, be more, you know, customer focused or whatever. And you sort of stuck to your guns the whole time and your business kept growing. Yeah, it's interesting because I think about customers and really when we met, you know, a couple of years ago, I was really talking more about clients, right? Now, I certainly have lots of customer contact now with Amazon, but it's for a $20 jump rope. 
right? That's kind of fun customer contact. I like to get feedback on what people like or don't like about my product. The client feedback was, you know, I spent most of my life working for very high-end companies, you know, Facebook, The Gap, eBay, right? These companies will grind you down, right? And so they own your life, right? They own your life. They need you on a Saturday. You're going to come in on a Saturday. That's a big one for me. It's like, I need to own my own life. And that even kind of comes down to things like, hey, you need to start a podcast. Like, yeah, no, I don't. I need to own my own life, right? If that seems like something fun for me to do, then okay. Can you remember the moment that you wrote the first rule? Like when you started to have that transition where you felt like I can write my own life because I feel like many people don't see that as an option. That's a really good question. You know, the way that sort of my life unfolded in the United States and how I ended up getting here to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Certainly, I say this to people who I meet here is like anybody who is here doing this entrepreneur lifestyle has made some really significant decisions in their life to get here. Like it doesn't just happen accidentally. For me, I think it was, you know, I was about 40 years old, 39, 40. You know, I was just completely crushed by the whole internet scene in San Francisco. Like I, it was great when I was in my early 20s, my even my early 30s. And then by the time I was in my late 30s, it was just soul crushing. You know, I had built up this big, expensive lifestyle there. As you could imagine, you know, fancy condo, fancy cars, fancy clothes. And to be honest with you, I just was miserable. You know, I really was miserable. And it was hard to admit that. But once that became super clear to me, and there was a few life events that happened that made it very obvious, I started to imagine what life could be like if I didn't live there. Didn't have to come up with, you know, $3,000 a month in rent. Didn't have to pay for $300 a month in parking. I went mountain biking in Colorado for a summer. You know, life just became a whole lot easier. Like that was a breath of fresh air. It was a freedom that I hadn't really felt in you know, potentially decades, right? Yeah. <laughs> to age myself. And I remember I was sitting on this mountaintop in Colorado where my friend lived and I was staying with him and he would go to work and I would just sit on this papasan on his porch and look at the mountain. I thought, you know, I've made so much money for so many people. I'm going to do this for myself. Right. And that's when I bought my first website that I happened to make, you know, considerable amount. Of money. I mean, not a considerable amount, enough to realize that I could live a life that wasn't so burdened with stress. When you were making those sorts of decisions, what fears did you have about transitioning to the entrepreneurial lifestyle? What were the elements in your brain that were like, no, 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 you should really stick around? Well, I did it in short bursts, right? I didn't do the sort of thrash and burn, sell all my shit one day and decide to leave town. I did it more gradually because I had a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so first it was a trip to Nicaragua for 60 days. And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. It's very different from the States. It's close enough that I can fly back if I need to. I still had a client at that point. Just to experiment, what does it feel like to be away from everything that I know be somewhere completely different and see what that felt like. After that, I'm like, okay, I liked it. I came back to San Francisco and I sold sort of my, or got rid of my first layer of stuff. And it was really funny because it's like, I can get rid of this thing, but I can't get rid of that thing. You know, I just took a little of the frosting off the cake. <laughs> and then I went to Colorado maybe a month later. So I was about a month in San Francisco. And then the next month I was in Colorado and I was there for three months and went mountain biking every day or I walked the dog by the lake. Just had a really sort of peaceful experience. That's when I sort of made the decision to come back to San Francisco and really close everything up. And so there was a lot of fears around that, you know, like, what if I want to come back to San Francisco? What if I move away somewhere far and, and don't have a place to come back to? Certainly, will I have enough money to make this happen? I think those were the, probably the biggest fears I had. Why did it take you so long? Sure. What were you thinking in your early 30s? And a lot of people probably would have looked at your life and thought that you were successful or like that yes. there's a kind of a level of prestige that your job carried. Were you concerned at all that you were going to be perceived as someone who'd failed? 
That's a great statement. I think what you did was just answer your own question because you asked me why did it take me so long? And the answer is because on the outside, everything looked like I was doing it right. People in my life would look at that lifestyle. I had a good job, a good salary, lived in a great city, had a great place as sort of making it, you know, like you made it. It was very tricky to understand that, you know, look around you and you have all nice stuff and still be miserable. That's a really hard thing to admit to yourself. Because then really the question is, well, if this isn't doing it, then what the hell will? Right. Right. That's a very poignant point to be in life. What gave you the sense that putting on a backpack, so to speak, and coming to South Asia might be that? You know, it's funny. Once I really made that decision, once I came back from Colorado, once I then I came back and I talked to my friends and like, should I keep my place and rent it out or should I just get rid of it? And, you know, a few people said, don't ever get rid of your place. And then maybe I talked to one person who said what I wanted to hear. And, and I decided to just you know, cut the ties. And I'm really glad I did, by the way. I had been in Southeast Asia several times. I did a sort of trip around the circuit, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, and Cambodia when I was about 35. I did a sabbatical from work. And there's just something that really drew me to this place. You know, I love Asia because it's so different from America. Everything is like at 45 degrees here. You know, now that I live here, it's everything's normal. But when I would come here on a vacation, a two-week vacation, or maybe I came for one time for three months, everything's just like, what is going on here? And I love that because it really puts you in the now, you know, to be poetic. You have to really pay attention to what's happening in the moment because it's so different from what you'd expect. What are some of the things that turned out to be different than you expected about this new lifestyle? I guess from an emotional and lifestyle perspective, you had all these hopes when you were, you know, maybe on the mountaintop in Colorado. Yeah. What turned out to defy your expectations? You know, to be very honest, my life is better than I could have ever imagined. Even when I was on that mountain in Colorado, I now have this you know, business that I that I absolutely love. It's built out of passion, right? It's built from something that I enjoy doing. I now have a girlfriend who I met in the Philippines who is awesome. She lives with me here in Thailand. I live in a great place here in Chiang Mai. I love the city. I love the people here. I get to travel quite often. I was just in Prague for a little DC meetup. We went to Bali for a month. All these things are the ideal of what I could have imagined and better, you know, because I'm doing it. It's amazing. Of course, none of this happens if you can't build a sustainable source of income that you can control. And at some point, Mark realized he needed to do what all of us eventually have to do, just get started. So I asked Mark to bring us back to that moment where he made that first dollar from his own entrepreneurial venture. I was really looking for the simplest way to make 20 bucks a day, you know? And here, this is me at 39 years old. So it doesn't really matter what age you're at. You still need to make that first amount of money that gives you the idea that I could live like that. So before we get the story, let us know what your financial situation is at this moment. You've quit your job. Are you living on somebody's couch or are you living off of credit cards or what was the situation? I had a little startup situation go on in San Francisco and actually the startup failed, but I was paid a pretty handsome salary. So I had some discretionary income. Also, thank you, Obama. I was on a nice (laughs) unemployment salary there for quite a while. You know, really, to be honest with you, the unemployment income, which I don't remember how much it was, $2,000 a month or something, was a great way to escape the gravity of America. 
Okay. So anyway, I'm on the mountaintop in Colorado and I bought, I was just sort of searching for ways to get in as cheaply as I could. And because I had time, you know, I had time and I had some financial resources. So your so thought was, was like, I, I know a little bit about web development and I'm yeah, going to put this money to work by buying a business rather than trying to sell stuff to people or whatever. Yeah. Well, I actually know a lot about web development at this point as my whole life. So then it's like, okay, how do I monetize that skill for myself and not just consulting for somebody else? And I had some resources. Sources. So I thought, yeah, I'm not going to write a blog and collect AdSense money. I'm going to hire someone to write a blog and try it that way. And then I wanted to scale a little bit more. So I bought my first AdSense website there. Luckily for me, that was just a huge success. Like I bought a website, I think it was making $25 a day. And as soon as I bought it, something weird happened. And not because of me, I started making $90 a day. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is the ticket. If it's all this easy, it turns out it's not always that easy. But that one was just like amazing. Then I ended up selling it through Empire Fitters for quite a bit of money. Nice. So years later. At this time, this was sort of your process is to go and identify websites. But originally you were making money from AdSense. Do people still do Correct. that, by the way? <laughs> no, I, sounds like I a don't know. Question. I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly got out of it the hard way. You know, I went from making about 15000 a month to zero in one day. And what was the reason for that? You have to ask Google about that. I mean, it's a really strange business model, right? Because not only is Google the one rewarding you, but they're also the one punishing you, right? They're the one paying you, and then they're the ones pulling the plug on you. So you did that for about a year, year and a half? You were flipping websites? Yeah, about a year and a half. During that time, were you like, this is just a like an exploratory thing? Or did you feel like that was your pony? You know, at the time, I thought it was my pony. I thought, okay, I can now scale this to a business where I'm flipping these faster. I'm not just using them for the residual income. To be honest with you, it was my pony. I was just learning the ropes, right? So, you know, I could say right now, like the Amazon thing is my pony. And, and maybe in a year, I'll be like, oh, that was crazy. But I'm doing something better. You know, the AdSense stuff was great once I learned to flip the sites, right? So I wasn't just dependent on the AdSense income. I don't know if people are still doing it. And it was great while it lasted. You know, it got me to where I am now. So talk about the progression. Like the end point is now you create your own products at wadnationgear.com. You sell them on Amazon. You sell them through your mailing list. Facebook page has over 100,000 likes. Are you willing to share your revenue figure about monthly revenue? I always have this conversation with people. When you say revenue, do you mean gross revenue or net profit? Net profit, if you're willing to share it. Yeah. So the net profit is right around 20K a month. And how long have you officially been an entrepreneur? I would say I've been officially an entrepreneur for two and a half years. The Amazon thing I've only been doing for a little less than a year and a half. So let's then go back to the day that all of your sites went to zero. What was that day like? I was here in Chiang Mai. It's a moment where you're like, okay, you know, when you run a bunch of websites and I'm talking 20 or 30 websites, you know, things are always kind of breaking all the time. That's kind of your job is to keep the machine working. You know, immediately I'm like, okay, well, I've got to check my web servers. No, web servers are fine. Okay, check the WordPress updates. Okay, all that stuff's fine. Okay, the sites are all still live. And then as I did a little bit more research, I had almost all the sites on something called Webmaster Tools, which is a way to sort of connect your Google sites to Google and make sure that everything's working. And I had about 80% of them connected to Webmaster Tools. And I noticed that it was all of those sites that got de-indexed. The ones that were not connected to Webmaster Tools were still fine. So what does that entail? That entails a lot more scrambling. Okay, so now I'd have to push all those to a new domain, see if I can get them kickstarted again. But basically, it means the, the ride is over. Right. The ride of, okay, just letting these things churn out money for you is over. And that's a that's an exciting point in life, man. <laughs> I 
because you then you have to say, okay, how am I going to handle this, right? I mean, this is the good stuff, you know. My girlfriend now is hungry to start a business, and I keep telling her that business is not about how to handle your successes, but how to overcome the daily failures. When something like that happens, a good entrepreneur will be like, okay, how do I deal? Right? I can lick my wounds for maybe one day, and then I got to get on the horse. So what did you do? Well, luckily, I saw kind of the writing on the wall. I felt the AdSense stuff was shaky for quite some time. It just didn't feel like a real business. Anytime someone else can have total control of your business with a flip of the switch, like Google can. And to be honest with you, like Amazon can. It's a very shaky place to be. I think Amazon is much more stable. But you know, Google was looking for people like me to get them out of their index. That's not a good business to be in. I had already started the Wad Nation Facebook page. I'd started monetizing that already pretty successfully. You know, we're not near what I was making with the AdSense revenue, but I could see that it was headed in that direction. So thank God for that. Thank God I had started something in the background that I could then turn on full speed. So I remember when I first met you, you were flipping websites. I sort of, we disconnected. I think you went to Bali and went elsewhere. A year later, I come back and you have the Facebook page and you're selling t-shirts to people through your mailing list. Right. And I remember everybody jumping on top of you saying, oh my gosh, like based on all these things that you have, like you should be making $20,000 a month back then. Right. How do you sit there in that room and take that kind of feedback? I mean, I'm sure you get it now. Like you can make two or yes. three times, four times, five times. Imagine if you, you know, did all these things. How do you think about that moment every day when you just, you know, you do the things that you want to do for your business and you close your laptop? Right. How does that work out in your mind? Because I, I think so many of us struggle to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's a struggle for me as well, to be very honest with you. I'm in a unique position because I had some quote-unquote success in San Francisco. And even though it looked good on the outside, it felt horrible on the inside, right? So I almost have this automatic defense against working too hard because I know that that could make you miserable and could make me miserable, right? So I really weigh any decision I make in my business around, is this going to fit? Is this going to make me happier or unhappier, right? And I try to look at it not just for today or tomorrow, but a year from now. And so, you know, you give me all the feedback you want. I love masterminds because, you know, you get to hear what's going on in other people's heads. But I can pretty much put that shirt on and say, is that going to be itchy or is that going to feel good pretty quickly? Yeah. I'm looking at your site right now and it looks like you've developed a jump rope, resistance bands and some other products. Can you give me an example of something that you didn't do? Like something that everybody thinks is obvious for your business that you're not going to do because it doesn't feel comfortable to you. Yeah, I didn't want to do products and because I didn't want the stress of managing inventory, managing a warehouse, fulfilling these things. You know, that's a whole, I mean, you know very well, that's a whole aspect of business that you don't really think about when you're designing a jump rope. How is this going to get into the hands of somebody who wants it? And luckily for me, Amazon takes care of all that for you, right? Right. So it was finding out that, oh, there's a fulfillment solution out there. To be very transparent, I never touched the jump rope. You know, it goes right from my factory in China. I don't even go to China to to see it being manufactured. I mean, I have QC people that do it for me. So it became this very laptop-friendly product business, which is very interesting. This is a unique thing for our age. One of the things that jumps out at me about that is had you violated your personal rules and jumped ahead and like flown to China and got your hustle on, it's hard to get out of it once you get into that hustle. You know what I mean? Like that means you're going to China maybe every year versus if you stick to your guns, it's often the case that something that fits your criteria will come along. And I think that for me as an observer, that's what happened with the jump rope story. Is that like you could have done like 25 other things well before the jump rope, but that was the one that fit the criteria. Right. And now with with I have have some success, I have to admit like this, this conversation is very timely because I was just chatting with a friend of mine who lives here in Chiang Mai, 
awesome of the year. And he's Canadian. And I was asking him when he's coming back to Chiang Mai. And he said, oh, I, I, we have this motorcycle trip planned from Alaska to Mexico. And I'll be back in September. And he's fairly successful in business. And I wrote him back and I said, okay, so when you get back here to Chiang Mai, I need you to help me figure out how I can manage my business so that I can do something like that. And it's interesting is like, I feel like my business is running me just at this moment, mm -hmm. but it's hard to decipher whether that's really true or that's just the way I think. And that's a really weird thing to say, because could I distract myself from the business more and get back to some of these core beliefs, you know, go golfing a little bit more, <laughs> go mountain biking a little bit more and still be successful. And I think, like I said, this is a really timely conversation because that's exactly where I'm at right now. In other words, like these things are more challenging as you scale. I think that's true. When you have $10,000 a month, it's kind of like, it feels more lifestyle-y where now you see it as, as real potential. For people like me and probably people like you, like that becomes really addictive. It's not even the money, really. It's like, how big could I build this thing? Right. You know, it's exciting, but at what cost, right? What is the future for these sorts of, you know, personal visions for how you want to interact with your business and how does that scale? I think it does scale. And I think actually it probably forces you to build a better business, right? Because a business that is just like, okay, I manage everything and I do everything and I do the Facebook updates and I, that's never going to scale. It's all about, and this is something I learned from you way back and Justin from Empire Flippers, building SOPs, right? Building documents for people to hire to manage this stuff for you. And I really look at now my SOPs are my way out of the jungle. Having the whole thing built around processes is how I take that trip from Alaska to Mexico. I think you're right. Let me quote you back to yourself real quick. This is the quote yeah. I picked up from our forum is Justin and I'm assuming and Dan is always saying I should start a blog and a podcast because I do think I would like to listen to it. And although it might be a great biz move, I don't know if it's a good life move. So I've resisted maybe someday. But for now, I like my freedom. Yeah. How do you read that now, two years later, with an empire, with a budding <laughs> empire under, under you? Well, I'll tell you, it still holds true. Like, I still have a ton of freedom. And if anything, I love this lifestyle for the freedom it affords me. I mean, yes, I may be working more than I had envisioned, but I did a month of that in Bali recently. And I went to Prague and visited some other DC friends there and, and worked from there. So the freedom is still my MO. Like that is for sure what I do all of this for. Every time I think about doing something to make more money or I think about how much more freedom is this going to buy me. And freedom for me is the ability to live where I want when I want. And that's really my driving force and still what I consider the end goal of this whole business. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.